welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church. Two pastors, two old friends from two different denominations on two different coasts, talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. My name is Kevin Sheehan. I'm the associate pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church, a PCA church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. And I'm Matt Curtis, pastor of Decision Life Church and Evangelical Free Church in Wairika, California. Welcome to the podcast. Today is June 23rd, 2020, and today we're going to talk about uh, just two different disagreements or um, what would we say, um, dust-ups that happened on uh, the interweaves this week. Uh, Kevin DeYoung. And... I prefer to think of them as kerfuffles. Okay, kerfuffles, fine. Uh, that, that can be the official, you know, stamp, hashtag kerfuffle. Anyway, one was involving Kevin Young in a blog post that he uh, published on the Gospel Coalition blog last week, and the other uh, is a blog post by theologian and writer Amy Bird. And so uh, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, so this week, Kevin DeYoung posted a article on the Gospel Coalition, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, because it's a long article. And if you want to read it, you can go to the GospelCoalition.org and find Kevin DeYoung's blog and read his post for yourself. But what he says in, a, in, a, in essence is that child rearing, like having children and discipling those children might be a better strategy if we want to impact our culture than electing the right officials or Supreme Court judges or the rest of it. And so he was advocating for having children and discipling them. You would think that this would not be a controversial statement that one should disciple their children, but it turns out that it was. Now, to be fair, what was controversial was not that he suggested that people should disciple their children. I think most people are in favor of that. Um, it was that some folks who, you know, maybe can't have children or, or have recently miscarried or what, whatever were offended because he, they felt like he was not uh, being sensitive to or adequately addressing those who can't have children or those who are single or those who've lost children or whatever. Um, and, and, and for me, like infertility is part of my story. We added to our family for adoption. Uh, having our own children is not something that's going to happen. We had hoped we would have more children by now and we have just one. For me personally, it did not even occur to me to be offended by that. And I guess I shouldn't have been shocked that so many were, uh, but I was. I found it very surprising that this was a controversial post. Well, and again, it's 2020, so you really shouldn't be surprised at anything. Agreed. But yeah, I mean, part of what's frustrating to think about it is he's making a relatively simple statement. It's like having lots of kids and discipling them is a good way to grow the church. And really, if you look back historically, that's true. That's been the best way to do it. If you look at, if you want to have, if your church wants to have a big youth group, the most likely way that that's going to happen is if your church people have a lot of kids. That doesn't mean we shouldn't go out and like, you know, try to evangelize the teenagers in our community or w invite them in or whatever. But it's pretty obvious to most people that, hey, if you want to have a big youth group in your church, that's going to happen when you right. have a lot of people that have a lot of kids. And just by extension, it's like, well, if you want a lot of Christians in the culture, have kids and raise them to be Christians. Just one one of the things that struck me was a lot of people were just reading into things that he didn't say. You know what I mean? Like if he had said, 
If you have less than four children, you are disobeying God's mandate to be fruitful and multiply. That would be a problem. You know what I mean? Like right, that, right. that, that would be a problem. Or if he were saying, if you don't have children, you're in sin. Or, I mean, if he said any of that, like that, right. that would be a problem. But he didn't say any of those things. I think it's also worth noting that he is at other times written on the blessing of being single. I've heard him teach on the churches need to be more inclusive of single and people without children. I mean, all he, he said all of those things in other contexts. Right. Like, it was very clear to me that, at least from the piece, he was writing to people who are able to child rear. And it's impossible to address everybody in every single sermon or every single tweet or every single blog post. Right. And that's, and that's part of what's frustrating is that you can't just make a thousand caveats and disclaimers just to make a simple statement. It's our fault if we're poor readers or poor listeners. Yeah. And don't understand what's actually being said. The fact that he says, hey, it's great. It's a good idea to have a lot of kids. He shouldn't have to give you, you know, a bunch of disclaimers about like, hey, if you can't, I understand. Or, hey, if you can't, you know what I mean? And just make all the exceptions to the rule and just make sure everything out there is covered. He's just saying having a lot of kids yes. and discipling them to be Christians is a good way to have Christians in did, the culture. Did, did, did you read the piece? I did. How did it strike you? I mean, you know, you you were single for a long time. I mean, if 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 you read that when you were thirty six or thirty whatever, like how how would that have struck you? Yeah, I mean, so I was single until I got married at thirty five, and my yeah. wife was thirty five as well when we got married. Right. Most of my life, even as a kid, I'd sort of figured I'd always have a bunch of kids, <laughs> and of course, I always thought I'd get married. You know, when I was still in my twenties and. I mean, there may have been, there may have been a bet involving that. Anyway, there's a whole that's a whole other yeah. Podcast. I did I did win a steak dinner for yeah. that. But anyway, um, <laughs> we'll talk about the steak dinner pack some other time. Yeah, but life did not turn out the way I had envisioned it for in terms of me building a family of my own. Yeah, um, I mean, I read the article. I didn't really think much of it. It, it didn't really strike a chord with me either way. Um, it's it was the kerfluffle or the dust up or the whatever afterwards that. I just sort of rolled my eyes and said, you know, here we go again. Look, Valentine's days were never a whole lot of fun for me when I was in my 30s and still single. But I didn't like get mad at my friends who went out with their wife or their girlfriend on Valentine's Day. You know what I mean? I mean, you did key that one guy's car. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, other than that. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's there were a, a joke. Of, Don't email us anyway. There were a lot of Thanksgivings and Christmases where I was alone. You know, or I'd yeah. get the, you know, an invite to someone's house to join them or whatever, you know, whatever. But I mean, for the most part, I was alone. That was just kind of part of my life. I, w I didn't fault anybody for like celebrating the good things that they had. Yeah. And we kind of run into this like every Mother's Day and Father's Day. We want to celebrate mothers in the church or whatever, have some sort of acknowledgement. You know, this sort of this caveat, well, what about those who can't be mothers? And that is painful to them. Right. And I get it. And some degree of sensitivity is probably like, right exactly like and and we do that at our church like we yeah. we just kind of give like we give you know we give out something whether it's flowers or you know uh desserts or whatever and we just give to all the women basically and try to acknowledge that hey it's not just those who are biological mothers or adoptive mothers or uh, but those who are have are, are, are mother figures or father figures those who serve the, uh, young people in all sorts of different ways are are motherly figures in, in many ways so we try to make it, you know, a little bit broader than than that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it is a little bit frustrating to, uh, 
when people just want to complain when other people rejoice in their blessings. Right. We're to, we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and, and weep with those who weep. Yeah. We are, we're both aspiring writers and we're both unpublished asp aspiring writers. And yes, sometimes it's hard to see somebody else make it not, and think to myself, I'm at least as good as they are. I don't know that I've ever thought that. I mean, <laughs> but then again, I, I'm not very good. So, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but we're called, so I, under, I understand that, that tendency to want to um, be upset when others have a blessing that I wish I had. Yeah. Whether it's being married at a younger age, having more kids than, than I do or whatever it is. Um, you know, now we're in our forties and it's like, ah, we're kind of done. Maybe that's just an excuse. Maybe that's, you know, whatever, but that's kind of beside the point. Well, uh, here's the point. Kevin DeYoung's not saying you're sinning by having two children. Right. Kevin DeYoung's not doing anything. And the people that are, well, I think here's, here's kind of the bigger point in terms of where your heart is if you're complaining about this, if you're mad at Kevin DeYoung. So I don't think you're mad at Kevin DeYoung. I think you're mad at God. You, you, want, you want to flesh that out a little? If I'm single and my friends are very affectionate and very whatever on Valentine's Day or their anniversary and they, you know, just sort of seem to make a big deal out of it for everyone to, to see. And I get sort of bitter about that. I can be mad at them or think that I'm mad at them. But what I'm really mad about is the fact that I'm single. And that's not their fault. Yeah. You know, that in God's sovereignty is just where I'm at in life. Whether it's because I'm poor or single or childless or whatever it is, those things are, are due to the hand of God. Yeah. You know, for, for me to bemoan somebody who is just rejoicing in their blessings of a spouse or a child or a promotion at their job or whatever it is. First of all, I'm disobeying the command to rejoice with those who rejoice. And what I'm really doing is I'm being discontent with where God has me in life. Yeah, well, and I would add to that, I, first of all, I want to be charitable to the folks who were upset about Kevin DeYoung's post. Uh, a lot of that was just coming from a place of pain. You know what I mean? It was just grieving over you know, a miscarriage or whatever. And so his saying that touched a nerve. And now because of social media, we can throw our, you know, we can emote and have our pain public. And how much of that is good, I suppose, is another podcast. Like I'd note that like Vody Bachman's been making the same point Kevin DeYoung has for 20 years. He just didn't put it on social media. And so there's no craziness around it. Um, but I think what, uh, where a lot of it comes, some of it's just about pain, but some of it is about desires and not just desires, but like over desires. Like you, you don't just want it, but you want it in an ultimate way. And I think of like what James says in chapter four, right? Why are there quarrels and fights among you? Well, it's because of your desires. Uh, you want and don't have, and so you're, all, you're, you're at each other's throats. No, that's a paraphrase. But I think that's really the issue here. It's really like what you're saying, like, okay, I don't have this thing. I want that thing. And they're saying that having that thing is a good thing. So they must think I'm not good. Do you see what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. it's like right. they're saying he's not valuing single people or he's not valuing infertile people. And he didn't say that. Uh, he just said, this is a good thing. And the scope of the article that he's writing is narrower than that. It's, he, yeah. it's a short article. It doesn't, doesn't have room to include every possible, um, yeah. like I said, every possible disclaimer. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think it was a thousand words, which for the gospel coalition is short. 
Yeah, and and part of it too is just how people see themselves and how they define themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, and it was tempting for me, especially the older I got as a single person, to just define myself by my singleness. Yeah. Like, who am I? Well, I'm I'm the single, I'm the single guy, you know, or whatever. Um, and it's easy for us to define ourselves in a whole number of different ways. We can define ourselves, well, I'm a pastor. We can define ourselves by our, you know, our job, our career, our family, our, our whatever. Um, we can define ourselves by things that we don't have. Yeah. You know, kind of more of the woe is me approach. We can define ourselves by how we've been victimized. And I'm not trying to say this lightly. Like I'm not trying to yeah. say this kind of with any sort of derision because I think yeah. you're right. These things come from a place of pain. Uh, and so it is, it is frustrating to be dismissed as just complaining, but it's also not helpful for you <laughs> to just to just complain or to blame Kevin DeYoung or to blame anybody else. Like that's not helpful for you. And I think what's most helpful for you, a uh, person who feels, you know, indignant is to understand who you are in Christ. Cause that's how we should define ourselves. Not, not for the good things we have or are not by the bad things we have or are, but who we are in Christ. That's who you are. Yeah. How you, how you are in relationship to God and Jesus Christ is the most important thing about you. So to just define yourself by something that's, in the whole scope of things, very temporary, right? Yeah. We're preaching on Psalm 90 this coming Sunday. Teach us to number our days. In the whole scheme of things, in the entirety of my existence, which will last for eternity, the scope of my earthly life is 70 years, maybe 80, you know, to paraphrase the psalmist. Yeah. And so why am I defining who I am by certain characteristics that might be true for a portion of those 70 or 80 years instead of what's true about me for eternity? That I'm a child of God, that I'm more than a conqueror, that I'm adopted by God, that I'm, you know, so on and so forth, that I'm redeemed, that I'm forgiven, that I have an inheritance, that I'm co-heirs with Christ, you know, on and on and on. That should be how we see ourselves first and foremost. And if you see yourself first and first and foremost in those ways, yeah, I, I don't know how an article like this would really ruffle your feathers. I mean, yes, maybe it sort of brings up some pain and some hurt, but not to the extent where you would, you know, get online and sort of just blast the author. Well, and be in like call to have the article taken down and all that. Like, again, it, pushback, I don't have a problem with, you know, like, hey, well, have you thought about like, but the, the, I didn't see very much that was in that tone. It was like, Kevin DeYoung needs to be canceled. It's like, what? That's yeah. weird. Anyway, I think that's a good transition point. Like, so we have, we, we had sort of two. Uh, Kerfluffles, dust-ups. Kerfluffle. I don't know. Anyway, uh, one that really wasn't, I think, for the most part, valid and just lacked charity all the way around to one I think that maybe was. And so why don't you introduce this one since you're. Oh, well, yeah. Speaking of people getting canceled or whatever, um, I'm not very familiar with this whole situation. So I'm just going to breeze through it pretty quick because the interesting part is kind of the response to it all. So uh, there's a podcast called Mortification of Spin, which is a playoff of Mortification of Sin, of course, the old Puritan, uh, Puritan book. John Owen, and, yeah. And it was tri-hosted, I guess. There was three of them, Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. I don't know exactly what happened, but Amy Bird was released or whatever she's no longer one of the one of the hosts of the podcast there's some speculation as to why that is the people that run the podcast have not been forthcoming as to why that is well it could just be she's busy promoting her new book it could be yeah i mean 
Um, she's never said anything negative about Carl Truman or Todd Pruitt. And they haven't said anything negative about her. Now, where it gets ugly, I guess, is there's a Facebook group called Geneva Commons, which is a private group with mostly OPC and PCA church officers. That's Orthodox Presbyterian Church and Presbyterian Church in America. Uh, I'm PCA. I've never heard of this group before, just FYI. Uh, but apparently that's a group of mostly OPC and some PCA church officers, which would mean like elders, deacons, pastors. Um, and within this Facebook group, there's a lot of comments directed about Amy Bird that were really kind of extremely pejorative and crass and shocking coming from... Well, from anyone, but... R right. I don't know, but it looks like the people... It's not everyone in the group who was doing it. It was probably a very small percentage. And you know how Facebook groups work where I'm not even aware of what's going on in Facebook You can be added to one without even knowing you were yeah, added. That yeah. I made a part of one. So it's certainly not a... Uh, call to arms against everyone in the group or anything like that. The, the quotes that were in this group that were screenshotted and then posted on the internet uh, for all to see were, were pretty shocking. Now, look, I haven't really followed Mortification of Spin all that much. I haven't read any of Amy Bird's books. Uh, I haven't analyzed her take on things, you know, how they line up with scripture, anything like that. I'm, I don't really want to talk about that so much. There's just a couple of points that i kind of wanted to make and that I thought were interesting about this whole thing. I mean, first well, of all, I, I, I want to interject for just a minute. Sure. Go ahead. Even if she's a heretic, which she isn't by the way, but even if she is, that doesn't justify the kind of gross, crass, unbecoming speech that was said by officers of churches. Like that's e even if she was, you know, teaching something utterly contrary to scripture. You, you you talk about the ideas, but though these were attacks on her person and her dignity, and that's like that's the problem. Yeah, that it, was going to be my first point. Is that just yeah? First of all, like that's just completely uncalled for. And I'm hoping, and I have heard that some of these officers are being investigated by their churches. Now, in Presbyterian land, I'm I'm PCA. OPC is pretty similar how it works. There's a whole process. There's a whole many chapters in the book of church order and how to, how to deal with that. And I do hope um, that there's momentum to make sure that those guys are disciplined and, and all the, and all the discipline is designed to lead to repentance by the yes. way. Yeah. So hopefully they just repent first of all, and it never gets into sort of any judicial hearings uh, within the church. But uh, so that's just kind of first and foremost, like that is just completely inexcusable. Okay. I thought it was kind of interesting because some some of some of them took issue with the fact that these comments were made public when they were said or written in a private Facebook group and private internet. Yeah, okay. first of all, it's an oxymoron. But second of <laughs> all, it's just like why why do people and usually men think that just because they're in a locker room? or a private Facebook group or behind closed doors or whatever it is, why do they think that they can then disregard all of scriptural teaching and common courtesy when speaking about someone? Like that's yeah. just sort of mind boggling to me. It's like, well, this is a private group though. That doesn't mean you can say whatever you want. That doesn't mean you can just trash someone. If anything, it means you should be more vigilant from a character standpoint. It, cer it certainly shows your integrity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's as if God can't see behind the 
paywall of a Facebook group, a closed Facebook group. Like you'll be called to account for that either in this world or the next. So it's just sort of shocking to me that we think there's some sort of, you know, sense of privacy or anonymity that, that we have in life. Well, and, and I would just add to that. The scripture says that your sin will find you out. In this case, it certainly did for these guys. Well, that's the point, though. And now they're going, hey, no fair. No, this is just the scripture being fulfilled. <laughs> now, you can argue about the rightness or wrongness of how they were exposed. I don't have that strong of an opinion on it one way or another, frankly. I think, you know, printing names and addresses, that's a problem. No, I'm sorry. Like, when you're when you're being called out for the sort of gross stuff that was just said, you don't get to then nitpick the process. Like, because you don't have the moral high ground. Like, this happens all the time. Like, uh, we had a, I mean, church discipline cases, this happens. The person under discipline is going, oh, yeah, well, you did this wrong. They're trying to find and, and get the conversation off themselves. Like, that just demonstrates that you're not repentant because you want to talk about anything but you and your sin. Like, right. it, yeah. I've called out someone for lying. I said, well, how'd, how'd you know about that? How'd you hear about that? Like, well, that's not really the point, is it? Right. The point is you lied. Right. And you, and you should admit it and repent. Yeah. yeah I, and you're right. Like, this this can't go too far. This can't be, there's this vigilante mob that just starts posting home addresses and calling for their lives to be ruined. No, the point of Christian discipline is to right. lead to repentance and restoration. So that should always be the goal in mind. But uh, yeah, the, these guys who uh, think that they can kind of hide behind some sort of privacy, and maybe this is you know partially kind of an American thing where we want to have our privacy and we think we have sort of some rights to privacy. That might be true in sort of a, you know, a legal uh, way before the state, but that's never true before God. Like you have no yeah. privacy before God. You live your life quorum Deo before the face of yes. God. I mean, even laying that aside, like it would be one thing if like Google or something, screenshot or Facebook made this public, um, but the person they were slandering made it public. Does their right to privacy really even apply when you're, I mean, <laughs> hey, person that I'm slandering, you're not supposed to call me out on slander because this was private. I mean, right. really? Like that—that's well. In some ways, it's it's a little bit akin to you, you know when when you go to a counselor or a pastor or whoever and say, "Hey, um, can you keep this a secret? Can you please not tell? You know, can, do I have your confidence?" And the answer to that question is always, "Maybe." It depends what it is. Like if you yeah. tell me you're about to like harm yourself or harm other people, then no. Right. Um, if it's you know something that you're struggling with or whatever then probably or if you or if they confess to a crime or if they right there are certain there are certain things i'll be compelled to tell others um so i so i can never say that i you know you have complete confidence now if you're just talking about i'm obviously like 95 or 8 or whatever percent of the time sure absolutely right but so so you don't get to go on a facebook group and say now hey guys look this is a private group so nothing that we say here can ever be uh said outside this group it's like well for the most part that's probably true but there are exceptions to that. There just always are. Well, and that some of these guys are elders at their churches, I think this holds them to another standard anyway. It does. Sorry, doesn't work. You're, you, you're a public person, and so your sin is public. Yeah, it's a failure on a number of levels on, on their yeah. part. Yeah. Part of the problem is that these, these men are leaders in their churches, and so what they are called to do is first of all, not to, you know, 
be jerks. But second of all, some of them, some of the comments seem to suggest that they think it's their duty or something to like, they think they're protecting the church from this wicked teaching or something like that. It's just sort of silly uh, how they how they kind of put themselves on a pedestal of defenders of the truth or, well, or well, whatever. Which is a weird flex, by the way. Yeah. Like, like that's just kind of a weird position. Like for me, and again, I can only speak for myself. My job is to protect and defend my church, but it's not my job to like protect the church from you know false teaching at large. You know what I mean? So. I might warn my church about Joyce Meyer, you, you know, in false teaching or Joe Olsen or whoever, but I'm not necessarily going to make a big public statement about it because my job is not, or write a blog about Joe Olstein because my job is not to start a discernment blog about whoever, because it's not my job to police the church at large. I'm, I have to shepherd this church. And so I think when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought uh, we're fools is what the scripture says. Yeah. And so it's not surprising that these men who think more highly of themselves than they ought are fools and they're acting foolishly. Yeah. So a couple of dust ups, kerfluffles, whatever on the interwebs this past week that we just wanted to comment on, not because we want to get into every controversy, but uh, they were revealing in different ways and interesting in different ways um, and expose some things about us that are probably pretty common, even though they don't manifest themselves in this manner all the time. I don't want to kind of get into a back and forth, but I thought it would be nice to end on a note of what what does complementarianism say on a positive level in terms of what men ought to be or ought to do? Well, I would sum that up by saying they're supposed to lay their lives down. They're supposed to love their wives the way Christ loves the church. And what does Christ do? He lays himself down for her flourishing. Yeah. He serves her. He puts her needs before his. He, I mean, all of it. Yeah, and I think that's probably the big difference between, say, complementarianism and patriarchy. And those words get tossed around a lot and often interchanged. And I think the unhealthy complementarian drifts towards patriarchy. I'd say that it can. It can. But, yeah. it, I mean, but, but a healthy complementarian will recognize exactly what you just said. It's like, no, my role isn't to dominate. You know, headship isn't domination. Headship is stewardship and caring for. Just, uh, you know, as you said, Christ loves the church, but also just as God loves his creation. He, yeah. he, he works to create beauty out, yeah. of, out of his creation. Yeah. And in the same manner, men as, as heads of the church or heads of a household shouldn't be looking to just dominate. It's not, it's not your free ticket to just get your way. Uh, but it's but it's to bring forth beauty and to care and nurture and when it calls for it to lay yourself down that doesn't just mean you like you you know you take the bullet like literally you know uh and some kind of grand gesture but it's the daily day in day out saying you know not my will but yours be done yeah now of course you and i are really good at that well i mean naturally (laughs) i mean naturally Maybe we should have our wives on and they can answer. No, 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 let's not do that. That would be bad for everyone. But anyway, it, it, no, it's, no, I mean, I, it's exactly what you just said. Um, I just want to add, I mean, not that I want to get too far into the weeds. Egalitarianism, you can be egalitarian and be within Orthodox Christianity. 
Um, like I don't, I don't ha- hold an egalitarian position, but it's not as if egalitarians just don't care about the Bible. I would classify it as like a second tier issue. Again, not that it matters for this discussion entirely. I just want it said that like, no, this is one of those issues that people who love Jesus disagree on. Right. And, and, and that's, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but more importantly, the Lord calls us all to love one another. Yeah. And, and clearly uh, the, the men on Geneva comments or, you know, the ones that posted things about Amy Bird uh, were clearly failing there. So there wasn't so much a failure of their theology. It's a failure of their character. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit a failure of their theology in the sense that like they, you know, aren't really having a right view of the Imago Dei, for example. Sure. That, yeah. um, that, that, that even if she, even if, like we said before, even if she was a heretic, which she isn't, you just don't say those things. And I would just add as well on the complementarian thing where you were talking about, you know, being a leader isn't being, you know, the one calling the shots and I get to do, you have to do what I say. That's a 10 year old's view of leadership. You're, it's your, it's your son, your older son saying to your younger son, you have to do what I say because I'm older and just because. That, that, that's how a child looks at it. Like no one who's mature and wants to lead like a grown up is going to lead that way. Yeah. I just read from Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. This has been something I've batted around quite a bit lately. And this is Paul speaking in Ephesians after, after three chapters of, you know, here's who we are in Christ. And he says, therefore, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility Check. and gentleness, mm-hmm. with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Everything that we think, do, and say should strive towards those ends. And that's a high and difficult and frankly impossible thing to do, but that should be what motivates us and what we're hopefully moving toward. So whether it's the Amy Bird thing or the Kevin DeYoung thing or just whatever, the ins and outs, the daily life of church life, family life, work life, those are the qualities that we've been called to. So let us try to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Amen. So with all of that said, um, it's been a pleasure to be with you. I'm glad you've been able to be a part of this conversation. If you uh, like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and uh, share it with your friends. And so with all of that said, I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. And we've been talking church. We've been talking dust-ups on the internet and how to hopefully respond in a more charitable and biblical way. Be warm and be filled.